we have a special offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our AG magazine for 12 months for just $62.99 and save 30% on the newsstand price. That's six issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your home for just $62.99. You'll find our special subscription offer at australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Hi, I'm Angela Heathcote and this is Talking Australia, a podcast by Australian Geographic. This episode, I'm talking to my colleague, Mike Ellett. Mike is the creative director of Australian Geographic. If you ever wondered who chooses which picture lands on the front cover or who makes sure the mag is full of amazing photographs and illustrations, that's Mike's job. In this episode, he opens up about his colourful career, which started in the world of music magazines. So I'm really excited to be chatting to Mike today on this episode of Talking Australia. Mike, thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me. And so basically Mike has worked at Australian Geographic as a creative director for something like eight years. And I guess a little while ago I heard on the grapevine that you have kind of this incredible design career prior to Australian Geographic. Um, That's completely different from, I guess, what you work on at, at Australian Geographic. So take me through your design history all the way back. Okay, well, uh, if you went all the way back, I guess I was pretty bad at school and I went, I left school and went straight to art college and I didn't really know what I was doing in the sense of, you know, I was pretty young and I didn't know where this was going to take me. And I guess when I was studying my degree, I kind of really fell in love with typography and type at that point. And I made the decision to kind of pursue a career in magazine design and I was I was kind of my college was about 40k outside of London in, in a Surrey and um, I kind of was like my, my 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 thinking behind that was I just didn't see myself or I didn't want to be the kind of designer that would spend a year designing some kind of bank logo and working for people and just I'm not saying it's so destroying and obviously it's a very respectable part of the design industry but I was just like that wasn't for me so when I was studying, I there was a part of the course that was, hey, we're going to do a bit of a magazine, you know, mock-up or you create your own magazine kind of thing, which that was something I fell in love with and enjoyed. And it was, it was I was also kind of um, doing it on, I was like a skateboarder at the time. I know that sounds, you know, like everyone. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was a young lad. Um, so it was great. And then how I broke in, I mean, this was way before things like, this is kind of like 1997. So you know instagram and you know your email all the world of the internet was just kind of coming alive at that point and i remember writing a letter to um the creative director of esquire magazine which is a men's magazine in the uk and i cut it was like a one-line letter and i said would you like to look at my portfolio and then put it in the post and then four days later a reply came through in the post and it was like hey yeah give me a call and we'll come to london so I went up to London and traipsed in with this really kind of 
clumsy big A2 sleeve portfolio and showed him my student work. Um, and he was like, oh, I'll see if anything comes up and nothing ever did. But what I, what I did do is I left um, my university and I moved in with some friends in London in like what I guess what you would call a, an extension to a student house. And I had a job as a, in a restaurant. I was like a pizza chef in Leicester Square. It was just what you had to do to pay the bills. And in the days off, in the spare time, I would literally pick up the phone and phone up every art director or the magazines I really wanted to work on. And say, that is so ambitious. Yeah, I was like, can you look at my portfolio? And I had to, the first break came when um, I got a work like a kind of work experience you know internship i guess you could call it at time out magazine and i was like oh my god i've i've done i'm so over the moon it felt such a milestone to do this but it wasn't until i got there i realized that they did that every week so there was always a dog body in there kind of going make the tea and watching them work away and i really then decided to kind of go um i'm staying for longer than a week so i really dug in and tried to make a nuisance of myself and i stayed there for about three or four weeks and then that kind of led on to another magazine um which is mojo which is an amazing music magazine and i did some freelance work for him for for a couple of weeks because a lot of the problems around that time was um there were a lot of design jobs for junior designers in magazines but it was always saying things like you need three years experience and stuff like that so you're kind of going more you got to start somewhere and you know i didn't have the three years experience so you'd naturally apply for these jobs and you'd get nowhere but then just through getting more little bits of experience that kind of led to my first so basically f taking freelance jobs yeah 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 so and then that led to my first real kind of i guess full-time job and that was for a, a film magazine um which was based in a which is a company called future publishing and it was based in the southwest of england in a place called bath which is a beautiful part of the country and I stayed there for a while, actually. They were, it was a really good magazine because it was, well, one, the subject matter was film and, you know, one month you could be designing something for a Scorsese's Eddie's gangster flick to a sci-fi thing next month. So it was a very varied kind of piece of work. So I worked with some really great designers there and, and kind of learned my, my craft. And then that same, that same company Later on, I moved to. I was in London, and they launched a music magazine, which I worked on. And um, I, I guess sometimes you could argue, like you know, you you learn from your failings. Because I, I created this music magazine, and it was a proper. You know, I kind of pushed the boundaries quite a lot on it. It was quite loose in design. It was really creative. I was trying to produce something that different to the industry. I was trying to really make a point of difference. And I guess what you could argue and, and say was, a lot of creative people loved it but that wasn't enough to give it a good circulation or give it a good a good you know survival sales base or was that a difficult balance for you to strike in the beginning of your career was that commercial and artistic kind of balance um when i was working on the film magazine not so much because the imagery and stuff you had given to you was images of the film and stuff do you see what i mean so you couldn't mm. go you're not going to go crazy and go off a, you know do you know what i mean off piste or too too much but when I worked for the music magazine, we were commissioning like um, photographers and there was an element of live photography in it. And it was all a bit kind of rock and roll and loved it. It was great. It was like, hey, you know, we were shooting people live on stage 
in front of a live audience potentially and it was a, the, 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 the creative avenue was so much more for it basically and around that time as well there was a bit of a I guess resurgence there was things like Reagan magazine which is an American magazine and that was very kind of it was there a David Carson type product and that was very like it's almost like it was a fashion to be destructive by design. It was almost like, let's make a mess. And that's, I'm not, that's unfair to say it was a mess, but I'm just saying it was very loose and very creative. Yeah, yeah. Um, almost like, you know, you could imagine people cutting up letters from magazines and creative montages. It was, it was just very creative. It was a very creative time. And a lot of magazines, you can see that influence, but at the same time, the commercial success wasn't quite there for what what I did, and I I, I definitely learned the hard way. And it, it kind of it lasted a year, so the magazine was twelve issues, and um, it was a yeah, it was a big it was a big steep learning curve of success and failure, I guess. Mm. And obviously, your passion project obviously lied with music, and your other stuff was I guess arts based. Mm. How then does do you get a job at Australian Geographic when you know a lot of your work is around um, a completely different area, I guess. After the music magazine, I did work on lots of other magazines and um, I worked at Men's Lifestyle and the company I worked for at the time, there was a, it was called EMAP and there was an EMAP in Australia and an EMAP in, in London. And I got a job in Australia and, and came out here that way with them. I then did go back to the UK for a few years and I worked on things that I um, was really passionate about. I worked on like cycling product, uh, a cycling magazine which is kind of my hobby, I guess. So that was a, what I find is if you if you're really into something, you're really passionate about something. It, it, it's it, it's massive to work on them because you're it just shines through on the page definitely. When I came back to Australia, I did feel a little bit kind of initially. I was a bit underwhelmed by the newsstand. I was I was kind of looking at it, kind of going. And no disrespect to our industry or the people who work on these things. I was kind of. I was kind of looking at the newsstand and going, hey, I would look at a selection of food magazines and to me they looked the same. It was a plate of food on the cover of a magazine or I would look at some gossip magazines and it was the head and shoulders of somebody and it was exactly the same. And I just felt a little bit like, am I getting my creative, am I getting the best out of what I can do here? And then just by chance, um, I showed my portfolio to a few people who I, who I knew in Australia and Sydney. And then just by chance, out of the blue, um, the art editor, creative director at the time of Australian Geographic said he had seen my portfolio and he would like to have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. And I remember going to try and to buy it. I remember going to like a, a news agent to buy the magazine to have a look at this thing. And I couldn't buy it anyway. I went through three or four places. And at that time, it was a very subscription based product. So very few copies were being distributed out into the newsstand. So I finally tracked one down and I was a bit underwhelmed. I was kind of going, oh, um, could I do this? But what I did see is like there was a map. I could see the photography was amazing, and 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 what I felt was um, what was inside wasn't being shown or reflective of the covers at the time, and that's where I saw a bit of an opening. And then I met Chrissy, who was obviously my editor now, and we got on very well and worked very well together. And I guess we kind of found each other and I guess that was start of a, a vision and a change of from when it was then to, to what it is now, I guess. Mm. And go into what Australian Geographic kind of looked like because obviously 
although you may not have known what Australian Geographic was at the time, it does kind of have, I guess, this legacy that comes with, you know, those um, famous illustrated covers that people either um, love and miss or don't really care for. So, I mean, was that a big, was that a big thing to take on? I just felt that um, there was a lack of impact on the cover. And I think some of the images were, let's say, on the news, there wasn't probably a need for a newsstand presence. So maybe you could get a lot because it was going through the post and stuff. It wasn't like you had to fight for the newsstand or yeah, kind of, do, right. do you see what I mean? So it was, and I guess that was the reasoning and the, the beginning of the illustrations idea, which is a beautiful, was a beautiful set of covers and obviously um, went for a very long time. Um, I just felt that when I took it on or when it was with me, the, the cover wasn't a flow bead photograph, for example. It had a, a white band at the top with a logo on it. So already in some ways, that you know, your space for a photograph was a square, which was quite restricting in, in, in lots of ways because photographs aren't square. You know, you, pho- you photograph them landscape or portrait. And yeah, I just, you know, it was, it was an interesting time. And I think it, when I started, it was a bit of a transition and... Soon after, Chrissy became editor and thankfully working with her, the shackles were off a little bit, mm. you know. And, and is that when you kind of were like, okay, we need a redesign and that's when you that kind of went into motion? It just needed to redesign. I think it just needed to redesign. I think it had been a long time. Mm. And what were some of the things that you kept in mind whilst undergoing that redesign? I was definitely, you know, I was completely aware of the readership and the loyalty to the brand, so I could not in any way go crazy you know it was still it was still a much loved much read product with a strong large word counted articles and features in it you know what I mean and that would always be the thing the photography was king and um, it was more kind of I guess trying to bring it a bit more modern and a bit more present day kind of thing and that was what I was really thinking of I didn't want to alienate our subscribers at all um and I guess we wanted to, yeah, give it a presence on the newsstand. Um, and I think since I've been here, so in eight years, it's been redesigned twice. And the second time was when we introduced a full picture on the cover. And I thought about this. I was kind of going, well, that's not, it, it's good because a lot of magazines would be redesigned a lot more times in eight years because we've done it twice and we know it's strong or it works. I mean, there hasn't been a need for, throwing it all out and starting again kind of thing. Do you see what I mean? So, I mean, we tw- we tweak and change things all the time to move it forward, but um, it's, it's yeah, it's still, it's been staying pretty solid for a good couple of years now in the same design. The the magazine comes out six times a year. So every time a magazine comes out, what's kind of your, well, not comes out, but is in the, in the production process, what's kind of your work processes? Like what... Do you sit down with the editorial team? They map out the ideas, and you start there. Like, where where does it all start? Or do you have templates that you constantly refer back to that stay the same? Like, how do? What's your kind of creative process with each mag? So we, you know, the start of any issue, we'll, we'll we'll create a flat plan, and we know what's what's going on and what's going in, and who's writing what, and who who's photographing um, each piece. And I will speak to the photographers. We'll hopefully have ideas. Um, about what we're after, the look and feel of, of, of the features. And we'll also talk about things like um, infographics and the cartography and all the maps needed. And it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit like the thing looks amazing, but it's not me. It's, a, it's an army of us. Do you know what I mean? I surround, we surround ourselves with really good people to go and do things. And it's, it's, um, 
it's commissioning and the contrib contribution of people that all come together at the end to make mm. it great. But it's kind of, I, I, I think I work closely with the writers. You know, if some people are on, in the field with the photographer at the same time, so sometimes a lot of the story is created in, in those moments, you know, who are they're speaking to and the photographer is actually taking portraits of animals or people or landscapes or places. And of course, when, you, when it comes back in, I'll always read the piece and then try to make it all work together quite, you know, and make it sing, you know, you know, you, you can read the piece, you can see the images and you go, oh, that's so-and-so in this koala's name is Paul or et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you build a piece together, you know. Mm. And I know this is really hard, but I mean, how do you choose which photographs go into a piece? More often than not, say for an, an opener of a feature, I'll always look at a, you know, the whole select of an image and more often than not, things really jump out at you in the sense of, wow, that's an amazing photograph or that that's an amazing photograph and it sums up what we're trying to say in this feature kind of thing. Do you see what I mean? So to give you an example, there was a, um, we did a piece on the dingo years ago and we had someone who went out and photographed dingoes in the wild and um, there was just one dingo and it was just walking down the road and it looked over its shoulder and just had that eye contact with the camera and it was almost quite sultry and it was just a perfect image and summed up the animal at that point. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it, you kind of get those moments with it, you know, and like similarly, you know, um, we've we've just done a piece with the koalas and the koala hospital up in Port Macquarie and there's, and the whole piece is about um, the survival of the species through the bushfires and there's two in it and there was just two in a tree perfectly posed together and I can see that image working really well with the typography idea that I had on the page next to it kind of thing. So sometimes it naturally happens, you know, and I, and as I say, I, I don't sit in a dark room and create it and come out at the end of the days, you know, I'll, it's work in progress all the time. And um, I work very closely with Chrissy, obviously the editor and, and even the people who, who write the piece because they've they're the ones who were there and it's their their words as well do you see what i mean so mm. it is and and with like i guess environmental design and science design and all things like that i guess it has kind of a bad rap in that everyone just thinks green graphs um you know hard to read kind of difficult to consume so i'm wondering how you make i mean obviously australian geographic covers things like climate change and land clearing and these things that involve a lot of stats so how do you make complex topics and really difficult stats and all of that jazz easy to read so i think one of the one of the challenges when i when i when i took on the job was in my in my past it was like hey let's just do i'd work for a magazine and it would be here's a you know album review or a fashion feature on a woman and you just throw it all on the page and it looks great you know that can never happen here it's so kind of like the information has to be amazing, has to be correct, has to be well thought out, has to be clear. What am I looking at? Does it work? You know, there's all this, and it's, I guess Australian Geographic is the only bi-monthly magazine I've worked on. So the good thing about that is you have the luxury to spend time and put energy to make things work. So I kind of pride myself on the infographic side of things and then the cartography side of things. So what I tend to do is, you know, we'll, we'll have an infographic on say, um, eating insects when we did the thing about the people eating insects around the country and I would look around and I'd look at other infographics of a similar nature or I would get in, inspired by 
style and feel of other things around me um because i don't want it to be boring i do want it to be fresh and modern and um w one of the magazines i love is like you know um wired in the uk and in the us and how they uh show their information and lay it out is is amazing and creative it's not bold it's not um dull it might be dull information but the way they do it is absolutely fresh modern and brand new and i try to try to bring a bit of that into australian geographic but at the same time knowing the potential demographics of some of our readers you know it can't be too way out you know the font's got to be clear i can't be too crazy but i just try to be creative clear the information's got to be right and interestingly some of the things that i do sometimes you know i'll get a you know i was thinking about this, I, we, we did a poster and it was the um whales and dolphins of australia and the way we designed the poster was i wanted them all to be in scale so there was a picture of a diver and he was this, you know he was in scale to say a minke whale or a blue whale so when you did all that you you designed it all so they were all in scale correctly it almost created its own scientific design on a poster quite naturally. Do you see what I mean? It was almost a beautiful thing. And the job was done for you. The hard work was doing the scaling and working it all out. But when it was done, it was almost like quite rewarding because the information was correct. The illustrations were beautiful and it was all represented correctly. You know what I mean? So that, that's equally as important to say something that is over artistic and maybe too designed, do you know what I mean? So. Is there any particular thing or project that stands out for you that you're most proud of at Australian Geographic? Um, I think sometimes, you know, there's some things that are very difficult and when you when you nail them and you get them right, that's great. So one, one example was a few years ago, we did a, um, a birds migration poster from Antarctica through Australia, New Zealand, and there's obviously... 40 or 50 different species of birds and they had different flight patterns and they flew different lengths and it was this I looked at the map and I was like it was just a mass of information you know I was going how am I going to do this it was just and obviously needed to be correct and it it was great I I worked with Will who's our cartographer um and Michael Payne who is one of our great illustrators who's been I've worked with him for a long time and between the three of us we almost took the information and broke it down and put it on the poster beautifully and then all of the illustrations of the birds were on there it was just so much information you know it was a lot of work and um there's a few of those kind of projects when you get real complex stuff and you deliver it amazing it was great i mean another example was i did a poster of all the shipwrecks around australia and it was obviously so many and you had things like areas like sydney which were just really congested so I had to pull them out of a map and make them bigger and it had to be... So it was just, you know, when we, when you're working with so much information and you're trying to put it across on paper, that's the that can be a challenge. But when you do it right, it's obviously rewarding and and they last for a long time. You know, they those posters will be used. We, we have them here on file and every now and again people phone up and say, hey, can we use that or where did you get that information from? Do you see what I mean? It's almost like a, a really good piece of reference material, you know. Tell me about the different arts, books, graffiti, all these other things that you may come across in life that you might draw inspiration from. I do draw a lot of inspiration outside of just magazine work. You know, I, I love book covers. I love um, even the um, 
abstract Netflix series, which has a great, you know, selection of people and different artists and different genres that, you know, and I, I so they have like photographers and illustrators and even typographers, um, stage designers and kind of weirdly when you watch those, you know, watch those series, I, I can definitely see a thread through um, each each individual and how they work. And you can, ju I, I think you can see, you can definitely see the link in creativity between these people. Um, anything creative I, you know, I really, I really, I really take something from. We recently did an illustration with Nomar Barr, who just was an illustrator and, and quite a, quite a modern illustrator and a very good one. And I find his work just very clever and unique. And I really wanted to get him in the magazine. And we, and we, we were just trying to find the right opportunity for when that would be. And it was when we did the deforestation piece. And luckily, he, you know, he, he agreed to illustrate and work with us. And as a designer, you always use your eyes. You kind of go, what do, what, what do I like? What do I see? What is great? What is different? You know, films and documentaries and stuff like that. I, I, I really enjoy. I mean, I watched, I watched an Alexander McQueen, the fashion designer documentary on him recently, and he was, you know, amazing as a as a fashion designer because he he wanted to be a point of difference and a break from the norm. And I think there was a famous quote in that documentary where he's like. He didn't want people to come to his shows and feel like they were having Sunday lunch. You know, he really wanted to make people feel uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that kind of represents my work or it comes across so in my work. I just, it's, there's so many great creative people out there. And one of the, when I was at art college, my, one of my, my lecturers, I always remember, he said, as a designer or someone in design, the only thing you have is your eyes. If you don't use your eyes and looking around and seeing things and constantly taking stuff in, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get very far in it all, really. Um, and I, yeah, so, you know, I'm kind of one of those kind of OCD people that walk around the streets and look at street signs and fonts and what's that? Is that new? And who's using that kind of thing? Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a constant thing. It's uh, yeah. I think my wife thinks I'm a little bit hyperactive and a bit a bit of an, a bit of an oddball like kind of thing. So. You know, it's definitely, and obviously nowadays, you know, you have, you know, our culture is Instagram and such is thrown into your face so much. And I think in some ways that's a good thing, but I also think it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing because I think it's almost like we've gone, we've got numb to it. So you have to look for the good stuff and you have to find the good stuff. Whereas the swiping of a screen culture is great and interesting in lots of ways. But I also think, I think people are just not even using it as they should do. It's interesting when I, when I first had something like Facebook, it was something you read and looked at, and now it's something you click on. And now it's something I turn on in the morning, scroll through as quick as possible, and turn it off, and not really pay any attention to it. So I think that's a danger we're living in with the uh, media and social age, and that's in some ways why I love what I do because what I put down on paper is hard work for real, for keeps, and should be there for a long time, do you see what I mean, for people to keep and go back to. Mm. And obviously there would be a lot of different, um, a lot of people out there who are looking at your career and you, just what you are right now as the creative director of Australian Geographic thinking, okay, how do I get there? So what would be your advice for them? <laughs> I think it, it takes time. It definitely takes a lot of time. Um, you know, you have to, if you if you were looking at magazines now, it might be slightly different than the trajectory I had because... I guess you could argue that magazines was in the heyday when I was working them in the 90s to now. Um, 
I think you so it's what I would suggest and say is if you want to work in magazines work aim to work on a magazine you're really passionate about and you want to work in because when you're in a room full of the same people who are equally passionate about that product or that subject matter it it will come through and it helps and it kind of comes through in your work it comes through on your page you're happy to be there you want to be there you're excited it's almost like you're a sponge for the information and design and the people you work with around you kind of thing so that would be my my advice i don't think it's a case of going i want to aim high and and and, and be that because i think in in this industry like a lot nowadays that you could be on one path and it can change direction quite quickly and you could be somewhere else equally happy and doing something creative in other areas as well do you see what i mean so i would say it's more following your passion because that ultimately is the thing that rises to the top and comes out of you the best and I, and and that's quite unusual for me because i've learned to f my passion here really it wasn't so obvious straight away and it, it it kind of gave me another element of design and another area of design that i really grabbed hold of and was um and i grew really passionate about basically well that's some beautiful advice to end on <laughs> thanks so much for hanging out with me mike that's okay thank you that's it for today's episode of Talking Australia with Mike Ellett. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Write us an email, podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on Instagram at Australian Geographic. And if you go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia, you'll find a special subscription offer. So don't wait. Go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Until next time.